Welcome to the Six Levers Podcast, where we talk about simple tools for healthy teams. I'm your host, Josh Aranda. Let's go. All right. Welcome to the Six Levers Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Aranda, accompanied by Joe Olwig and Sean Lee, the founders of Six Levers, the Brain Trust. And we're going to go ahead and dive right in. Like we normally do, we'll just do a check-in. Um, check-in question for today is highlight of the weekend. Hmm. Um, gosh, I had a busy weekend. We had our, our daughter, I think the highlight would be our daughter had a karate tournament up in Dallas and she won first place. Uh, she just crushed it. Um, she's uh, uh, two belts away from her black belt. She's 13 and uh, just, yeah, she had went up there and had an awesome time. It was great to see all of her training pay off and just probably more than anything, just a great to see her enjoying, enjoying it and enjoying competing. And uh, uh, yeah, just a cool to see all of her hard work paying off. How about you, Joe? Yeah, I think the highlight was the inaugural soccer game for our new MLS team here in St. Louis. Uh, it was pretty fun because we actually got a chance to play Sean's team in Austin FC, and what a game, Sean! Three oh, came it's back terrible. two to one. Yeah, no, that was fun. Um, being a sort of a lifelong soccer fan and um, growing up in St. Louis, it was fun to see that team come together and have its first game, and a lot of fun. Awesome. I was at that game, um, and it was cool to see st louis play its first game and I, I guess it was cool to see them win their first victory but it was a hard game to watch <laughs> hard game to watch my team lose that's amazing blow it at the end i think my highlight was so we've been trying to do just like family time on sundays so last night we went and got pizza at this pizza shop right up the street from us and then we came home and had movie night. And so we watched Jungle Book 2. And I have this issue where, like, I love kids' movies. And, like, my wife, it probably drives her insane to, like, talk to me while I'm watching a kid's movie just because it's, like, nostalgic for me or something. So the dogs were, like, scratching at the door. And she, you know, is nursing uh, my new daughter. And she's like, can you go let the dogs out? And she had to ask me, like, three times. She's like, will you go let the dog out? Um, I was like, yeah, sure, I will. So my highlight was watching the movie with the kids, and I was very uh, enthralled in uh, Jungle Book 2. It's pretty good, pretty good <laughs> flick. So, it's pretty great to think about you being that that focused on those kids' movies, and that I feel like I'm the exact opposite in that regard. When the kids' movies are on, I'm barely hanging on for attention. <laughs> I don't know why I love them so much. They're just like, it's just a great story, like hero's journey all throughout it. It was just, it was awesome. That's cool. And I secretly want to be Mowgli, I think. Just mm-hmm. in the jungle. So, <laughs> all right. Well, overall topic for today is just what is an organizational operating system and why is it important? And so really, we're just going to dive right in. Um, just like we do when we're kicking these things off, we want to start with a story, right? These are things that are from the field. There are personal experiences that just give us a, a little bit of a lens to uh, dive right into the overall topic. So the story that we were thinking of is about four months ago, we were working with an organization um, and really they were kind of in a prospecting stage. 
And the reason we were introduced to them was because they had a bunch of technology issues. And so we're leading some dialogue with them. We're asking them a few questions, all their pain points. And as we were chatting with that organization, right, all their pain points that were, they were sharing with us were not about technology. 90% of them were about people, about the way that they worked, about the direction of the organization, the fact that they were disconnected from all the different things that were going on. Right, so I was talking with the COO and she was sharing how she only meets with her CEO maybe once a month for about 30 minutes. And it's really just putting out fires. She can hardly get time on his schedule. And then same thing, the marketing director didn't know who she really reported to. So it was this really disjointed way in which they worked. And so finally, I just asked the question, hey, do you feel like you guys have a clear and consistent way that you work together? They had shared that their technology team didn't really talk to the department heads. And the definitive answer was no. They just paused and sat there for a little bit. And they're like, no, we're kind of a hot mess, right? And so that was the thing where it's like, okay, we realize sometimes that an organization, an OS is always present, but more often than not, it's actually not intentionally designed to help draw those things out. And so today is really, okay, what is an OS? We don't talk about it that frequently. So how can we bring this to light and how can we bring some intention to it? So really, I'd love to hear from, from Joe and Sean, what is an organizational operating system in your words and why is it even important? Yeah, Josh, I can, I can pick up from there and I'd build off of what you shared about the, um, the system is there even if we don't know it, that that is truly how we think about an organizational operating system. Uh, we define it as simply the set of norms, practices, and routines that define the way a team works, and that the degree to which uh, you know you even know about it is really the degree to which it's been designed and implemented more accidentally versus more intentionally. Uh, and so you know we we use this language, organizational operating system, to um, to create a common language around that, that framework or that structure that you want to create for your team and, and in, in support um, and running as intentionally as you can as an organization. Uh, with, our, uh, with, with the partners that we work with, we, we oftentimes connect the absence of uh, an intentional organizational operating system as impacting people more than anyone, right? If, if we're um, if we've not de defined some of those things that you talked about up front, uh, then people are left to bear the burden, right? People are going to uh, be, you know, responsible for, for being reactive to, you know, the system. And, um, you know, ultimately that's, that's a huge part of this. Um, yeah, it's interesting, Joe, and you think about it that way. I mean, you're kind of answering, I think, like getting to this, this deep why behind, the org OS and, and having an organizational operating system with this idea of people being left to bear the burden. And I think in many ways, this feels counterintuitive to a lot of leaders when we, when we get into this, where we many times leaders are avoiding um, like things that look like rigid systems or over, over systemizing the way they work because they, they have the sense that if they do that, it's going to cost something on the human side. Right. And, I think one of the things we've seen is there's this there's this balance between the right amount of supportive system, the right amount of like the correctly and appropriately for your organization designed organizational operating system that that does 
have that effect of taking the pressure off of the, the solve for org health being, you know, a leader, being a superhero every day. And so um, it, it's kind of, a, I think, in many ways we're, we're, we're trying to dispel a, a myth or, or bring some clarity to the idea of how these two things work together. That's great. When uh, just out of curiosity, when you use the term organizational operating system in front of uh, a prospective client, an existing client, someone you're passing by on the street, what is their immediate reaction? And like, what's your translation? How do you help contextualize it for them? Yeah, I, I mean, I think their first response is, "What's that?" Or right. we, we don't have one. <laughs> Um, which is why we love to let them know that by our definition, you know, you do. It's, again, just the degree to which you've defined these elements of how your organization runs uh, really clearly and intentionally versus maybe more reactively or, or not at all. Uh, and so then it's about trying to help to shape for them what that system looks like and what all goes into it. Um, we, we talk about some of the patterns that organizations find themselves in, right? Where so let's say on a year, year over year basis, every organization attempts to set annual goals uh, and the degree to which they do that effectively um, in, in a way that, you know, the year after is, is better than the year before because they're learning and growing and they're, they're really thinking about how to do that effectively. Um, this is just one of the many things that an organization should have clear norms around, clear practices around, and feel like that routine or that organizational habit is getting stronger year over year. Uh, and so when you start to bring some of these examples in and say, well, here, here's a part of your, what should be a part of your, your well-defined organizational operating system, you know, how you create focus on an annual basis, heads start to nod and say, oh yeah, we, we do need that. Right. And so um, it's not just annual goals. It's, it's many other things. But uh, bringing in some of these real concrete examples, uh, typically what starts to, to move people along in the journey. Yeah. And I think it's also and I'm kind of going back to where I ended in the last question with this one. But some of the things that I think come to mind are like operational excellence and strong operating systems, right? Like it feels kind of like a technical idea or something calling up, like we just got to like strengthen our muscle and our operations. It doesn't necessarily intuitively make people think of, we need to build stronger, more cohesive teams, and we need to intentionally work on developing ourselves and developing leaders throughout the organization. But that is very much so a part of what we mean when we say an organizational operating system, right? So I think we've, we usually, and this is a challenge I think we enjoy, um, but it's stepping into that and saying, like, this is not this or this and this and this. It's like the way you operate, the things that, that are most important to your organization include both these things. They certainly include the, the intentional uh, co cohesion of teams and strengthening of leaders. Yeah, I think, I think the... The uh, this point around it's not just about sort of traditional operational excellence is a really good point, Sean, because that is oftentimes what what we think is, you know, I've got this really tight system for running operations and that doesn't include people or that doesn't include, you know, 
psychological safety and team cohesion and the and the way that we think about defining the an organizational operating system includes all of those things because the the fundamental belief that that this system is designed from is that when you identify activities that should that are so important that they shouldn't be subject to chance you should make a habit of making sure those happen right they should be good and they should be getting better year over year. And we all know that like, that's not just good goal setting. It's not just a stellar ops checklist, right? Where you're getting everything done and being as efficient about it as you can, right? Important strategic activities include, you know, how you develop leadership in people, how you create great teams, um, how you, uh, continue to build out an identity that, that is alive and well for your organization. And so a huge part of the, the org OS is about making sure those activities are not left to chance or, or ultimately happen more automatically, uh, for your organization. That's great. A couple of things I was, I was jotting down while you're speaking, Joe, where, right. You're, when you're hitting these things, it's like norms, habits, things are alive and well. And I think that's that's the the misnomer or something in that like the organizational operating system should be alive and ever changing and adapting to your organization and getting better. Whereas sometimes we get in with an organization and they're like, oh yeah, we, we're a well-oiled machine. We have an incredible standard operating procedure. But then you start tugging on these other strings and yeah, you have these static procedures that maybe you review on a consistent basis. But it doesn't necessarily mean your organizational operating system is alive and well and is humming and you're super healthy as an organization. So I appreciate uh, appreciate like hitting those habits and those norms and those things, those words like that, that that should be um, disciplines, but also alive and well. Um, something you said earlier on, too, I'd love to tug on a little bit more when you said people are left to bear the burden. Can you build on that a little bit, right? We've talked about the organizational operating system, six levers, being very people focused. And then you hit this term, people are left to bear the burden. Can you touch on that a little bit? What do you mean? What are some of the symptoms of people bearing the burden? Well, I think if you just, you start at the highest level, a CEO transitions out and the new CEO comes in. Oftentimes when that happens, it, there's, there's no real strong system to start from and build upon inside that organization. Sure, they've got certain things that are defined and you can sort of pick up on, but typically it's up to that CEO and their leadership team to sort of, you know, pave this new path and, and stand up some new, new things to make sure that the organization is even better than it was before as opposed to potentially being able to notice and observe what systems are already in place um, that ensure these you know, strategic activities are happening routinely and, and at a high level and carefully and methodically and prudently discern where are they going to focus and improve and you know, elevate the organization from. Uh, so you know, I think just at, at sort of the highest level, you think about that journey of a new CEO and how when you think about that, you think about, you know, how much work is going to have to go into, um, you know, that transition for that leader and their leadership team and how, you know, ultimately they're, they're left to, to bear the burden of, of, of doing that. Um, but, you know, yeah, Sean, 
Yeah. At, at, the, at a lower level as well. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's where I was going to go. Um, I, I love that frame and we certainly see it. Um, but I think like two two tools in, our, in the framework come to mind. One is tenants. The other one is agreements. And and y'all heard me say this when we were talking through this last week. I talked about, hey, when you don't have an organizational operating system, it can feel a lot like Groundhog's Day. Um, and I think what, that, what I mean by that is you know, if a team, we do, tenets in the Six Levers framework are simply these these overarching principles that guide how teams work with each other, right? In a world where you don't have those, um, you could continue. A team could continue to come back to the same type of issue over and over and over and over and over. They're they're left to bear the burden of, like we worked out this thing last week, but we're in a similar problem in the same lane. But because we haven't taken the time to define a principle of alignment on how we handle this type of thing, we're right back doing this again, just like we were last week, right? It's frustrating. It's demoralizing. It feels like we could be in this perpetual loop forever if we don't pause and say, here's this principle for how we handle this type of thing when we hit it. And then nested underneath that would be these more, they're still meaningful, and I don't mean to say like very detail-oriented, but an agreement that would say something specific about um, a, 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 a process or a situation or resolving a tension. You know, when we face this type of recurring tension in an organization or our team, here's how we agree to respond to it, right? Um, and again, where that doesn't exist, that tension pops up. And you just keep coming at it over and over and over again. I know certainly as a leader of teams and organizations, when I did not have these tools, like feeling that frustration of um, where I don't have a tool or a framework, I have to bring in like my world, I have to be a world-class facilitator, right? I've got to be um, a world-class listener, uh, mediator, negotiator, right? I've got to get like and hope that that moment just goes perfectly because those are the tools I can turn to. I don't turn to the tools of, hey team, didn't we agree to X, Y, Z? Isn't this thing governing the way we work with each other? And the team can be like, oh yeah, we did agree to that. Let's let's go let's go back to that. What did that say? That's good. Yeah. yeah. If you think about just almost any time, you know, you find yourself in a position where you're having to react to something. Um, you know, it's it's the end of the year and you need to run your annual goals review meeting and you're, you're having to react to that situation in a way that you don't feel like you can be as an intention, be as intentional as you'd like about facilitating that meeting. Or, you know, your team is mm. bogged down by priorities and you're having to react to this feeling of, you know, burnout. Um, anytime you feel like you're reacting and when you, when you react, you don't have, a system and, and norms to fall back on and re reference and build from is is an opportunity where people are left to to really show that grit show that you know sean was sort of sharing that superpower um and just lean into finding the solution as opposed to being able to rely on a system to support you with that um so you know people bear the burden has has so much to do with um these these challenges that we face being solely um, reliant upon people leaning in to solve it as opposed to a system supporting people in in those in those challenges so that brings up an interesting like point in that right we work primarily in the mission driven space lots of nonprofit organizations 
And over the last 12 years of doing technology consulting plus this OS work more so the last five years, four or five years, sometimes when we get into organizations, there's a resistance to overly processed or rigid systems, right? So when you hear operating system, it sounds very technical. It sounds rigid. So talk to me about how you, um, what's your jujitsu move to say, okay, this isn't actually <laughs> intended to be rigid. Like, how do you handle that conversation in terms of this is designed for people to support people and bring the best out of them? I can start here. I, I think, uh, you know, this is a, this could be like a six episode arc here, like just handling <laughs> this, this particular question. Episode um, three. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a, it's a really big, it's a really big question. It's one that I think we're, we're really interested in continuing to answer and learn about, frankly, I mean, just like, what are the things that are unique to, to people that are compelled and motivated, uh, primarily by purpose and mission, and, and how do you match the tools to that type of leader and team. And uh, the couple things that we've seen is, um, one is, is if we if allow some flexibility and some design in the framework, right, so not, so we present the tools the overall, you know, framework for the the six different levers, and, and and then say, what do you need most right now? What does a team feels like the most pressing needs? That the, one of the ways that we keep people at the center is by this sort of high design and alignment piece to to the needs and in the framework, as opposed to saying you have to start here and then you've got to run these three or four aspects of it. Um, another way is, you know, if there's supplementary tools that that an organization wants to bring in that are complementary and, and help them to achieve their goals, that that's great, right? They can, they can do that. It's not, it's not us saying, or anybody, any consultant in our network saying, no, you must do this. It's saying, hey, if that's working for you, it's achieving your goals, that's awesome. Um, language is also a really important piece of this. So we've had a number of clients that want to contextualize um, terms that we've created and said, well, this actually means more to us. And, and, and if, assuming it's not, doing any harm. That's really kind of our only check. Like it's not, if it's not hurting, um, then we're like, if that works for you, that's awesome. Go with that. If that works for your team, your culture, you know, then, then you can absolutely go with that. So, um, maybe the last example I'll share and I'll let Joe jump in here is, you know, things that, that we have found help is, um, when it starts to feel like it's too structured like, let's say we get into something, because there are parts of the framework. I mean, we, 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 it is very flexible, but there are parts of it where we've done a lot of work to say, here's how you run this rhythm, right? right? And one of them is the weekly leadership team meeting format that we've spent, a, a, you know, a lot of time developing and training teams on. Um, and it's got a, a pretty well-codified agenda. Um, but we've had a handful of teams say, I think we're pretty good. On, on most of this, but there's this one piece right here that I know we need, right? And and while we might disagree, we might think, hey, you need three or four of these pieces, we know that if they begin to make some progress, the rest will will likely come along. And so our position has been to say, that's awesome. Go for that one piece that you've identified that you need, and let's see what happens. Let's see when you start checking in on your quarterly priorities what impact that might have. And maybe that'll lead them to want to bring in another element of that. So it's like the, under, the underpinning of that for us is just a belief that progress is, is fuel for so many things. And if we can not fight them and say, you must do it this way, you must try this, you know, you must follow this play, 
and say, let's go with what they're willing to do and continue to encourage them to build more and more to strengthen their operating system. Uh, we see that have a big impact with teams. I think, yeah, I think, Sean, you, you reminded me of the starting point for this one, which is the people that we work with must have a posture of, if this can make me better, I'm going to try to learn as much as I can about it and apply it. We talk a ton about the, it, you know, it, it's, it's all about leadership and growth mindset and coming to the table, actually wanting to learn and take tools and structures and help make your organization healthier. Um, and related to that, we, we know how important that is. And so the system that we work to design is designed for those leaders. And as Sean called out, the system's intended to be responsive to those leaders and their unique desires and their unique um, focus areas. What do they want to improve on with their team? And, and the, the system's really designed, you know, we could talk about it being people-centered. A huge part of that is because you get the choice in which pieces of the system you implement and adapt and at what time. Um, and, and, you know, the, the way that our system has been designed, you know, is really suited for that. But I think about, uh, you know, we all have a relationship with meetings, right? And we've all been in really bad meetings. We've been in some great meetings. Um, but, you know, I think for, for that leader who is interested in growth and impact and really cares about their work, if you place a leader in a structured meeting with clear objectives, an agenda to support those objectives, a strong facilitator of that meeting, and let that leader participate, versus a leader being in an unstructured meeting with low intentionality around objectives and agenda, 10 out of 10 times, I can tell you what, what meeting the leader is going to prefer. And that's sort of a small way of thinking about what, an, what a more intentionally designed organizational operating system gives you, right? It gives you just enough structure for you to go into those spaces and show up and actually get to focus on strategy and creative you know solutions and things like that um, as opposed to why am i in this meeting um who's running this meeting being critical of the meeting itself right and so you know the way to think about um how to avoid uh actually the, the you know I don't, it's not even about avoiding rigidity it's recognizing it's got to be people-centered and it's got to be adaptive to the leader who's going to implement it but it also needs to call out why structure is so helpful for you um and yeah yeah That's Joe, <laughs> Joe you, you know you're making just uh this uh going into the meeting like putting my head back in in that space and thinking about that from the people-centered uh angle um even just going back into the the leadership team meeting the L ltm format that we've developed um you know, even in that context, we have the set agenda and we have the emergent agenda. That's why we think how we train teams on it. Like there's some stuff that we would recommend you go through, but then there's just all this space, which is the majority of the meeting to talk about the, the most important items or issues that you're facing. We call that part of the, we call it the list, right? And, and that's really out of an appreciation or, or, well, maybe I'll start with a frustration, like the frustration that teams can experience where if they, if it was just the set agenda, like just some key updates, you know, just some, uh, we're checking in on some goals, um, whatever it might be. And, and, and then it didn't have space for big topics. People can leave that meeting feeling like 
the things that I think matter most to our team right now, we didn't even get to, right? And so leaving that space for what matters most to our team to talk about right now, um, that often feels very, that should feel very people-centered, right? It's, 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 it's tuning in to the issues and culture, the, you know, whatever the, whatever we're facing as a team this week that we need to prioritize working through. So, um, I guess I'm just calling out that even, even within the, the things that can feel pretty structured in, in an organizational operating system framework, it's building in space to make sure the people element has room to, to thrive. That's great. <clears throat> what, so when you guys were chatting, it makes me think about, all right, so what's, what's the risk if it's not people-centered, right? We're talking about frustration because of a type of meeting or, uh, you know, my issue isn't surfacing to the top and it's been kicked off of the list, you know, the last four weeks in a row. Let's play this out. What is the scope of the risk of having an unintentional OS and something not being people-centered? I have a two-part question, so I'm queuing up my second one with this one. What comes to mind for me is like what's serving what, right? And so what I mean by that is the, the systems, the processes, the tools, the practices should all be in service of, of the mission, the vision of the organization, ultimately people enjoying their work, feeling engaged, like building trust, right? And if you can go deeper than that, you could say all this is about people being able to create some more sanity and space in their life, right? And so all these systems and tools, I think this is a constant check for us as, as, as creators of a framework like this to say, what is this ultimately serving? Is it serving the ability for people to connect in a more meaningful way, to enjoy their work, to be energized by it, to be more likely to achieve their purpose and their vision? And so that's the constant check for us is, is it doing those things? But we've all been a part of systems that are not doing that, right? Where it feels like for some reason we've fallen into this place of we're just running this play. We're just, we haven't stopped to say, will it do those things? Will it achieve those things that I just mentioned? We fall into the space of we just have to follow this for, for whatever reason. And so I think that's the pitfall and both encouragement that we're, that we're trying to follow here. Yeah, I think we talk a lot about change management when it comes to adopting the system. So if the goal is to go from an unintentional organizational operating system to one that is more intentional, uh, we know that the journey there requires an understanding of what helps to facilitate change. And a huge part of that is the investment of the people who are going to be a part of that change. If people aren't invested in it, if they don't you know, deeply care about it, you're not, we're not going to see the change happen. And we've, we've seen that happen with, with folks we've worked with where we've um, maybe uh, not, not been as intentional ourselves about how to get them involved in the process of, of, you know, what do they want their system to look like? Um, what do they want to focus on right now? Those are huge pieces to adapting the, the system. Um, and, and so if you just say, the system's accidental right now, give them this plug and play intentional system and just do it, you're going to see a dramatically different amount of investment in, in the solution itself. And so a huge part of the process in, in, in getting there is to, to bring people along, to work with them and to help, you know, ultimately just guide them toward choosing pieces that they want to 
adapt and be more intentional about uh, and and just kind of continue going down that path of adapting more and more as it as it is, is something that they're motivated to do. Stuff. So my, my second part of the question, um, and, and kind of what I was fishing for too, is that I saw a note from a buddy the other day, and he was talking about, you know, what we expect out of our teammates, of our employees. And he was talking about, you know, we want them to bring their ideas, their energy, we want them to advance the mission. And then he was saying that somebody asked him a question, he's like, you know, we ask about how they show up for work but how do we send them home, right? So we, we want to get as much as we can in our 40 hours, 50 hours, 60 hours, whatever it is, you know, but how do we send our teammates, our employees, our leaders home and how does six levers help? Hmm. I, I love this question. Um, it, I think I've thought about this question in different ways, but not this directly. And so the framing of it, of like just the, 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 the flip of the coin, if you will, the other side of the coin of we're asking about how they show up, but how are we sending them home? I think it, it, to me, what it does, it, it puts the, the responsibility in the question, the accountability of the question and thinking about it in a different way. Like, what is it for me as, as the leader, as the, 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 the top team in the organization, whatever it is, what, what do I do there? It also makes me, I feel a little, um, how do I say it? I feel like I have a confession about like I, for years I've been, um, I've been kind of, what's the word, promoting this idea of bringing your whole self to work. I even, I ran into a leader, you know, six months ago and she was like, yeah, Sean, remember we were working together like 11 years ago and you always just talk about everyone, like the importance of everybody bringing their whole self to work. And then part of me felt good about that. I was like, oh, that's cool that she remembered that. But what I know now that I did not know then is that I wasn't thinking about the other half of this question, the way that you've just posed it, Josh. And I wasn't thinking about what would it actually take from an environment perspective for them to do that, for, for someone to bring their whole self to work, right? And, and what, what I now know and what I think we're, we're trying to do with teams is to say, you know, is there an environment of, of safety? Is there an environment of trust? Is there a, a, a principle and, and value of building connection at work, right? Because when these things exist, then, then it's, it's, um, it's appropriate to, to say, we want you to increasingly bring more of your whole self to work. But in a world where we're not doing that, it almost feels irresponsible, right? I'm gonna, I want you to bring your whole self to work, but I'm not committed to the work of creating a place where it's safe and, and meaningful to do that right? Enriching even, like even if you go beyond safety, like it's good for you. It's, it's, it's like you get something out of doing that. There's reciprocity and vulnerability when you do that with someone they share in kind. Um, so it really takes all those things to, for that to be true. And, and that's, and that's, I don't know, I'm not, I feel like I'm not answering your question directly, Josh, but, but it, it, that's where it's got my head at is like, what do we, how do we want to send them out? It's got me in this place of, what are we doing to, to create an environment for them to hopefully do the things in, in which we want the way we, we want them to show up? Yeah. yeah, Sean, I think part of that frame for us or reframe for us was, you know, in thinking about organizational health. Uh, originally, a huge focus for us was build more organizational health inside organizations and they will um, 
go after their mission and be more likely to achieve their mission or be high performing, right? That was the big theory of impact. Boost org health and you'll see performance boost as well. And I think the reframe for us was, is org health just a means to an end or is it an end an end in and of itself? And is that worthy, right? And I think that, that is, that's where we're focused is to say, org health is is an end in and of itself it's it's that important um and and so when you reframe you actually think about how are we sending people home right how healthy are people when they go home and if they're not feeling just as engaged and inspired then that's a data point right that's a data point to respond to that's that's something that you want to directly address as opposed to just thinking about oh well if josh is going home a little, you know, less engaged and worn out, he's going to be less likely to, you know, make the impact or drive the result that he's, you know, he's responsible for. Well, sure, that might be true too, but we actually just care about how Josh goes home, right? Um, and so the framework does focus on how do we bring that that level of um, intentionality to to the health of the people who are inside the system. Joe, one, it makes me think about how when we started on this journey and the three of us were, um, we've had multiple, we're all in different cities, but we've had multiple times together in person uh, to do meaningful planning work. And, and Joe led us through the process of, you know, let's, let's make sure we're doing, uh, that we're taking on this framework just like we do with our clients. So that included developing tenants for, for our work. And, and one of them was, um, actually, I think this was one of our values. Sorry, this is one of our values, I think. It was more about the, the or it's, I'm sorry, it's a belief. It's a, it's a, one of our beliefs is that. Um, it's part of our identity. It's part of our, our core identity is that work should be energizing, right? Yeah. And, and so we want everyone to feel that. And, and out of that belief, that's, you know, what we're talking about here is that, I think we think about the end of the work day and it's like, we're often like more drained, more tired, but what if people could be like more energized at the end of the work day? Right. And, and to what Joe's saying here, they could go home in an even better place, you know, more ready to be engaged and present uh, with their families or whatever it is that they have after their work day. So Josh, I feel like you, you actually, I don't know if you remember it, but you talk about this quite a bit with, with, uh, you know, this idea of people's lives are, are more than just they are at work and the importance and the impact of, you know, I think you feel a lot of responsibility as a CEO in our company. I don't know if you'd want to speak to this, but I've heard you say this quite a bit about what it means to, to run a healthy company and how you send and how we send people home. Let's, this isn't part of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was going to share one story that or two stories rather that I think, these are the areas that I learn a lot about how I want to show up as a leader within our own organization. And lo and behold, I learn a lot of things from my kids and the things that they're involved in. And I take my kids to this, or Jack, he's my oldest, to this school called Preschool Partners. And taking my kid to the, to school and picking him up half day is a very timely process, or time-consuming process, rather. And that there's just this like single hallway and everybody's waiting in line. And the reason why it takes so long is, which I love, every parent drops their kid off and the teacher is sitting right there, eye level with the kids, and she gives them this hug. 
and she asked this question and this kid like there's no one more important than that kid that is right in front of her and the same thing is true when you pick your kid up it takes a really long time but it's super awesome to watch because you're waiting for your kid you know jack walks up to uh mrs sailor and she gives him this sweet hug a kiss on the head tells him great job things that he could work on gives me feedback and sends us on our way and jack's like on cloud nine you know and so it's like little things like that where how we show up and that handoff to how we send people home is part of our job responsibility it is part of our duty that we can't just take everything and then just you know give somebody else the what's left over and i think the same thing is true with like me and my wife where we were watching these things or we were kind of watching some patterns for ourselves and anytime we didn't get a workout right the the correlation or the parallel between physical health individual health and organizational health is very very similar right so if i get a run in i'm like energized i want to hang out with my kids i want to hang out with my wife i want to invest in things in relationships and that's kind of that's that's it right work should be um like a, a workout that we are pumped up energized in a good headspace we know that we contributed something, advanced something, and then we're on our way to be able to take care of the other parts of our lives. Um, so those are the two things that are like sticking out when you ask me that question and that um, we do have to do both. Organizational health is that important, just like physical health, mental health, spiritual health, you name it. We have to make that a part of our well-being. Otherwise, we're robbing a piece of ourselves and how we show up in, in the world. Yeah. That's awesome, Josh. I think it just reminds me that the, you know, tying of some, one of the things we talk about with the framework is how interconnected everything is. And, you know, this is, we're kind of, we're more or less having a conversation around beliefs, right? Like what our beliefs are about the, you know, how we want people to leave organizations at the end of the day or the end of the week, whatever it is. Um, you know, what, you know, why we have designed the six levers framework and, it just feels like a, a an encouragement to maybe anybody listening here that as you think about the expansion of your your mission, your kind of like underpinning of your why, um, why you exist as an organization and or even some of your tenants, the way you operate, the way you do, that there could be something to to align on with your teams here that relate to your beliefs around um, the impact you have on people that work on your teams. Um, this I think for us, this has been super energizing and something that we can come back to and and remind ourselves of as we go through really busy seasons, like what's our responsibility in this for the people that work with us. So uh, just a connection to, to the beliefs and, and maybe an encouragement to think through how our beliefs impact the way we design the framework and systems in which we live in every day. Yeah, Sean, I think I think one thing that that reminds me of is how important it is to give people permission to create beliefs like the ones that mm. we're talking about right now that maybe don't directly connect to their mission, right? We've, mm. we've worked with a ton, like non a ton of nonprofits over the years, but whether you're a nonprofit or just a mission driven for profit organization, you've got these core beliefs related to your mission that ultimately are your ultimate why drive what you do um and so at times it's it feels um you know it, it almost feels like it's not okay you, you can't actually set but create beliefs or, or values around everyone should go home from work just as energized as they showed up 
right? Because in some way that would be sort of competing against, um, you know, a mission around ending educational equity. Uh, and, and so it's, it's, we do a lot of giving permission to say that's important as well, right? The people in your, on your team and the way that your team runs, creating beliefs around that or what we call tenants is, um, is so important. And just giving folks permission to create clarity in that way as well and say, we can have beliefs in this lane and in this lane, um, and they don't have to be thought of as, as competing only, um, is, is so important. All right. Well, um, the way that we like to wrap up episodes is you heard Sean and Joe both talk about progress, progress being over perfection. So if you were to give advice on one thing, say like, hey, if you are struggling with this, try this, what comes to mind just in terms of an organizational operating system, if an organization has an accidental one or intentional, what would your advice be to help any of our listeners out in terms of making progress on their own OS? Check out some of our free resources. No, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th I think, um, and I'm sure Joe has more to share there, but I think in, ad in addition to that, um, you know, you'll probably hear us say this all the time, but just pick one thing and get started. Um, so it can, you're going to gain momentum through the process of, of seeing progress in one particular area. So whether it's feeling like, we're just not a very focused team and we need to align on a handful of priorities in the short term. Like, awesome, do that. Right? I think that, you know, or it's our team cohesion isn't where we want it to be right now. So we're gonna take a, we're gonna do a workshop and do a personality profile test, whether it's five voices or something like the working geniuses, whatever it is, start there, you know, create some agreements that come out of it or, or, or priorities that come out of it. Um, and, and, you know, not feel like, because the framework, you know, as, as you work your way through the various episodes on this pod, if you dig into, if you're part of an era learning communities um, and subscribe to all the great content we have, you're going to realize there's a lot there, right? And, and you could run the risk of it feeling kind of overwhelming where you're like, it's going to take me a while to, to do all this. And that's true. It is going to take a while to get through all of it, but it doesn't take long to get started. You can pick one or two things. Um, and you can get going on it and, and, and that's going to build momentum. That's going to build what we see with teams is that builds uh, hope and, and belief that you can actually build a more, a healthier culture, a healthier team, because you got these proof points. Now we did this thing. We actually had a quarter where we had five priorities. We've never had that before. That was awesome. What else can we do? Right. <laughs> There's so many other things we can do as a team. So just get started and make some progress and you're going to gain some awesome momentum. Great. Yeah. 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 Anything else? Yeah, second everything, Sean said, um, with, the, with the key point being uh, engineering progress, right? But we, we, um, we run an exercise where we ask teams to reflect on uh, the most essential strategic activities that happen inside their organization. And so if you were just to ask yourself, what are the top, you know, one to three activities that happen inside of our organization um, in terms of strategy, operations, team, literally you name it. Just what are, think about what are the most impactful strategic things that happen inside your organization. Identify a few and then ask yourself, have we defined the way in which this is supposed to happen? Have we designed and defined that intentionally? 
Um, is it objective driven? Is there structure and tools to support it? Do people think it's effective? Right. Just, and, and, and then if, if, you know, answer those questions, but ultimately run, run good versions of that. And you'll start to see progress in, in, in those really high leverage parts of your, your org. So example could be annual goal setting. It could be a meeting that is super important that you should be running. It could be team building. Um, if, if you think that that's one of the most important activities that happens, whatever those, whatever the answer though to that is for you, then ask yourself, you know, have we, have we defined it and are we executing it with a high level of intentionality? Um, and if you're not start there. Right on. And of course, if that isn't enough, uh, dive in, check out our free resources. Um, if you do want to learn more about six levers, what we're doing, the best way to find out is go to sixlevers.co. If you want to go deep on the framework, hop into one of our navigator sprints. They happen every couple months. Otherwise, we will catch you next time. Have a good one. Bye, everybody. See y'all.